Hey, this is Nicole DeBoer, a.k.a. Esri Dax, and you're listening to The Shuttle Pod. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Shuttle Pod. This is episode 63, and we're recording this on December 10th. 2018 and i'm one of your hosts matt and i'm joined by my good friends brian hello everybody and jared hailing frequencies open matt (laughs) and of course our editor-in-chief kayla hey guys how's it going great great i think uh this is a pretty exciting week for uh news uh wouldn't you guys say especially today specifically a lot yeah all of a sudden today it was just like a flood yeah we got a slew of (laughs) little details relatively quiet lately and then all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden we just got some details it's kind of crazy yep yeah so i think we should just jump right into i think what think what's exciting a lot of the fans is we're sort of getting little more little snippets about the picard series more and more we're getting little bits yep Mm -hmm. Uh, late uh sometime last week we got our sort of first big headline which is that uh cbs's chief creative officer david nivens was chatting at a conference and just kind of casually said oh yeah and the the picard show should should show up you know on all access in late 2019 and it was like what cool (laughs) you just you just like casually dropped this at a at a business conference you know it was a conference about streaming in the future and stuff whatever for investors and it was like Wait, he just said it was late 2019, which is really cool because we weren't really sure just how fast or when they would turn this around. We know that they're going to yep. go start production in April, but that doesn't mean you would get it necessarily in 2019. Right. So that's cool. That was our first little tidbit. And then uh, this morning, we got another little tidbit that uh, the production is going to come back to California for the Picard show. Not yep. Discovery, but the Picard show anyway. And that's kind of cool. I think that's a smart move because realistically, everyone who's here as far as writing and production is really here in California. Sure. Right. And no- notably, perhaps Sir Patrick Stewart, and maybe he wants a, an easy commute to get to work. Yeah, I, I assume so because um, he was, the last time he did a, you know, a production for TV, it was... Blunt Talk and Blunt Talk, of course, was also filmed out of L.A. So I think right. he's comfortable mm. with that. He, of course, lived there for many years. I'm not sure who he re- has a uh, house there now, but he certainly did for years. and Many so, years, yeah. So I'm sure he's perfectly fine with that. Um, I thought another another thought that occurred to me when I saw this news is that uh, Michael Chabon does not live in L.A., but he um, he lives in the Bay Area up, up my way. But I'm sure, you know, for him, it's a little, like, 45 minute flight to go down to LA and hang out mm. for like a week right. And, right. and sit in the writer's room. So that's a lot better than going all the way across country and then across borders yeah. to go to Toronto mm-hmm. for everyone right. involved. So I'm pretty sure, you know, the power people like Patrick Stewart said, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to do this out of LA. Um, so that's pretty cool. And they, uh, CBS is one of the uh, productions that petitioned to get tax credits which is a renewed program um, in California. They didn't have as aggressive tax credits before. And of course, places like, um, what is it, uh, in Georgia, and of course, up in Canada. New Orleans. Had, yeah, Georgia, New Orleans. Louisiana. Have, yeah, have had really aggressive tax credits for, you know, for good reasons. They want they sure. want film to come out there. And so California kind of went, hey, wait a second. We're Hollywood. Like, this isn't, this isn't cool. And started to sort of, get more aggressive tax cuts for uh, sort of a, a select group, you know, kind of a lottery of sorts. And so I guess how this is how we found it out though, actually today was it was announced that, you know, this production won one of the tax credits slots basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty cool. Again, we didn't really, it's not like an official announcement. It came up in industry news that just, Oh, by the way, this show got one of the tax credits and it was like, Oh, Okay another little piece of the puzzle right mm-hmm. Fills in. Mm-hmm. and that was just this morning and then like you said like man when it rains it pours kind of thing we then all of a sudden we turned around and like i was writing up that article uh along with our site's founder tony and then turned around and entertainment weekly 
had quotes from Alex Kurtzman, which is, you know, about the Picard series. Like we just literally finished one article and turned around and went, wait, there's even more. Mm -hmm. So, which is really kind of cool because, you know, we haven't heard much at all, right, about this. And then suddenly we hear a few tidbits. So, and Alex Kurtzman, of course, he's the overseer of the sort of CBS Trek on TV franchise now, right? He's our, he's the guy overseeing it all. He's not necessarily involved in creating it all, but he's certainly overseeing it all. What do you think about the kinds of things he said? Because to me, it seemed like a lot of it was kind of vague and not necessarily yeah. unexpected. He's, but at the same he's time... He's not going to give details. Yeah, yeah, no details, but it was still like nice to hear him say things like, oh, the Picard yeah. series is going to be totally different from Discovery, which I think we all yeah. kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought right, it was interesting. Right. I think the, the main quote that stands out is he says, it's an extremely different rhythm than Discovery. Discovery is a bullet. Picard is a very contemplative show. It will find a, a balance between the speed of Discovery and the nature of what Next Gen was. But I believe it'll have its own rhythm. I mean, that sounds so you, wonderful. So that yeah, sounds good, right? Like, that sounds really encouraging. Yeah. It, it, it also sounds like he has a strategic vision. Right. Imagine that. Yeah. It, it really... <laughs> Discovery's had lots of ups and downs and uh, showrunner changes and all kinds sure. of stuff. But this, this one Behind sounds... Behind the scenes drama. Yeah. So this sounds very coherent, which is good. Yeah, so far we this like thing that. is much more stable. They've got eight scripts. Uh, not uh, scripts in the can, but eight. They've broken down eight different episodes so far. Yeah. They've basically got outlines for eight episodes done, which is really cool. Right. That was another yeah. thing that Kurtzman yep. told... Um, which is really impressive because, you know, they only started to kind of come together and start thinking about this show from a writing perspective in September. So to have, you know, from basically nothing to eight outlines is pretty darn good. Yep. Guys, I can't believe this is happening. I'm like, every once in a while, I just get really yeah. excited. Yeah, I yeah, know. I, I, I'm probably not going to be able to completely believe it until we see a picture of Patrick yep. Stewart. In oh, Austin. yeah. That's what's going yeah, to be real. real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also <clears throat> confirms sort of what we knew, which is that it's predominantly or entirely anyway. I mean, we don't really know, but in the future, 20 years in the future from where sure. we last saw him in Nemesis, there, you know, some people had been kind of wondering, well, what about it? You know, it's sort of wondering if they're going to have some, you know, flashbacks or whatever. Anyway, uh, the last thing that Kurtzman said that I think is useful and sort of interesting is that he said, without revealing too much about it, People have so many questions about Picard and what happened to him. And the idea we get to take time to answer those questions in the wake of the many, many things he's had to deal with in Next Gen is really exciting. So, yeah, that is really exciting, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. It's far more interesting than, you know, revisiting some, rehashing something, I would say. So, so I'm sorry, do we, do we know, um, will Romulus have been exploded in this? So we haven't talked to them. So. They've never said that, but I, I don't see any reason why there wouldn't be. That technically was part of the Prime Universe. Those were yes, events was. that happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kurtzman happened to co-write that, so I don't see why that wouldn't yeah, yeah, be yeah. Okay. worked in. You know. Yeah, I, th- I think that does. I honestly think that's the real answer. Look, it, it did happen in the Prime. Kurtzman co-wrote that script. There's no reason for it not to at least be either kind of ignore, like not really talked about directly or at least, you know, just it could just be a fact of the universe. They probably won't go out of their way, I imagine. Sure, they might not yeah. even mention it. Yeah. I mean, it, I suppose or, it, or, or it could be Romulus is gone. Point. Yeah, or it could be, right. We don't know. We, it's really hard to say. Um, one other little tidbit that I thought was interesting was um, our new Captain Pike, Anson Mount, is also kind of nerding out about this stuff. And he was up in uh, Ticonderoga, New York, which is where the official Star Trek set tour is that James Cauley made and can sort of made official, made canonized, you could say, by the CBS people. And so he was up there this weekend doing an appearance and people started chatting with him, of course, and asking him about stuff. And somebody thought to ask him about the Picard show because, of course, that's all part of the new CBS, you know, Trek on TV family. So they kind of wondered if he knew anything. And he said that he'd also been interested and had sort of been trying to you know, ask around what he could figure out. And of course he can't say anything, but what he did say was he thinks it's a brilliant idea and the fans will be really pleased to how smart the concept is. Oh, good. So for whatever it's worth, Anson Mount approves. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, yeah. Now, Matt, if you if you could have anyone else appear in this, just personally, besides Captain Picard, who else would you have? If he could bring one crew member with him, who would it be? Uh, that's tough. Certainly, I would like to see Riker again, but I don't think he's. Uh, I think he's off doing his own thing, so we may not. You know. Well, since this is now going to be an ongoing series, I assume at some point we will see some of the TNG cast. We, yeah. They've got to, because now that it's not, not like a short... Maybe, maybe not in the first season, maybe, yeah. but certainly later on. Yeah, now that, the, now that we know this isn't a miniseries, they've got to start rotating people through. Yeah, at least a little so. bit. Yeah, you just you, you have to think they would. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Are we going to see Picard develop aromatic syndrome? Ooh! I, well, I say no, uh, because... I say no, too. That was one possibility right. that right. you put forth. There was forth. a manufactured future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering like what, because I was thinking about this earlier today and it's like, is that canon that he has aromatic syndrome or is no. that one potential future? It wasn't. It's just one potential Cause, future. Because yeah. everything changed. Q did it and then everything he, changed. Right. And he, cha- he yeah. did change the course of history in his actions right. and all good things. He also, if, if, you know, he probably started taking whatever essential cosmic oils he needs to <laughs> stave off aromatic syndrome. Beverly got him, like, one of those diffusers for his cord. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, even he says when, when she tells him it may happen to him when he gets older, they, they both agree that it's only one possibility. Yeah. Sure. And she had done some sort of deep brain tissue scan and couldn't find any, you know, precursors to it at the end. Right. So right. It, it doesn't really, it just seems like that's one scenario that Q had yeah. unfold. I agree. I was right. just curious to hear what you guys thought. No, it's, no, it's important a, it, to ask. It's a very good question. I just don't think, yeah, I don't think so. I'll just give you my next year, 2019. Uh, isn't that 25 years since uh, All Good Things? So isn't that yes. won't we have caught yeah. up to that point? Yeah. So it lines up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But it's exciting to know that we actually are going to see this thing by the end of next year. It is. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. You know, because I, I don't think we were sure that we that was going to happen. We thought maybe it would be pushed off into the following year. But you know what? If CBS is going to want to start getting like a consistent amount of Star Trek on, on there their service they have to start getting these things out quicker so they have mm-hmm. to yeah and if they've got eight story treatments already you know put aside that suggests that by the time they get into production they should have some pretty polished material yes I, yes I, I also i also have to figure from a uh, buzz standpoint uh that uh, a rising tide lifts all starships and that this will draw more <laughs> th- thank you kayla and this will draw more positive attention to other projects they're doing Yes. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, they're, sure. They're, they're definitely Absolutely. counting on that. Another oh, thing yeah. that no, that, no uh, that I sort of this is all sort of related and also sort of a good transition point too is that um, one of the things that I had forgotten to to put in our show notes was that David Nivens, the chief creative officer, also mentioned that they expect to do short treks again between um, between things. So not just between discovery seasons, but they'll probably be doing it oh, between cool. when season two of disco ends and before the Picard series starts in late 2019. Oh, cool. nice. Yep. So it'll so be, again, have an ongoing. Yep. Yeah. Little short stories to help pad out the time, which is basically, you know, what they've said all along is look, we want to have some kind of Trek available year round. Year right. Round, that was yeah. their goal. So it may become sort of in spurts and stuff, but the whole point is you don't have to wait too long for, you know, something. Oh, we should also mention that Anson Mount dropped another bit of news over the weekend. Right. So speaking of Discovery, Mr. Mount. Yep. He announced that Discovery season will go one episode longer than originally intended. We're now going to get 14 shows instead of 13. Yes. Very interesting. Not entirely surprising, though. I would say. No, well, we, we've noticed that Discovery is running behind from their original end of production, so we were wondering why that was happening. So Yeah. Is this... Yeah. Uh, didn't this happen last year? Uh, yes, did. and effectively, effectively and, yes. And last last year, the part of the reason we, we had talked about was that it ends up making this, the episodes on the whole cheaper 
Correct. Like yes. so, even and though that that's almost it's goofy yeah. because the amount spent is going to be the same, but if you divide one number by fourteen instead of thirteen, then it's a, you get a yeah. smaller number of dollars per episode. Yes. So I'm so, sure so that's, how that's case, better yeah. for their finances, I guess. Well, so it is, especially because they are already over their uh, time frame. They were supposed to wrap their production like originally when they rented out Pinewood, Toronto. Their timeline was to be out before Thanksgiving, and then they weren't. Hmm. So, you know, if you have to keep renting these stages, rent them for another month, tack on another episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I guess they figured they can yeah. make more money on more episodes and it's yeah. costing them the yeah. same. To sure. Add, to yeah, add that episode, exactly. So. I, I think that's yeah. why Netflix, when they do like the series you're supposed to binge, there's always like a seventh inning stretch where it's like, oh, I liked how the season started and I liked how it ended, but uh, the middle was kind of boring, right? They just <laughs> put filler in. No, no offense to Netflix. <laughs> a, a, a little bit. It's, I mean, that's also like the, like the second act problem, right? Like mm-hmm. Even right. just a single episode, the second act is usually the most boring part. Mm. Yep. So they're so they're there filming almost up until Christmas now. They're there filming until the twenty first of December. Wow. Oh, it went further, huh? I thought it was supposed to wrap like this Friday. I didn't realize it actually is going even further than it's, that. It's it's even further, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty far. Interesting. Yeah, which is interesting. So, well, I'm like we knew they were behind almost from the get go because one of the reasons why among other reasons that um, Berg and Harberts the f- were let go uh, was that they had a lot of leadership and operational issues, which were like overruns in budget. And by then right. they had already slipped on filming the first few episodes. Like they were starting to slip. So like we know that of course Frakes went in and directed episode two. And then for example, early on he was going to do episode 10 and then, you know, he's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a week on a calendar that he's scheduled. So he showed up to do an episode. I mean, yes, he's prepped, so it's not quite like that. But he's scheduled out on a calendar, right? So his calendar week came up for what would be episode 10. And he actually ended up doing episode 9 because they had slipped. Everything had slipped a little. So, and we could tell that because even on, on social media, they were saying, you know, Frakes had a photo. And it said he was doing episode 209. And we're like, well, okay, their production's yeah. behind, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Discovery. It's it's definitely had its bumps in the road since its creation. That's for sure. Yeah. So I hope this added episode is good, and and I'm assuming they had to have known they were going to do this because they already knew they were. Think so. Yeah, they already knew they were falling behind months ago. So, Mm. you know, at this point, they must have told the writers and then had them do it because. In theory, the writers are done, and it's just sort of up to the production to finish. You know, it's not like they're writing it right now. I don't right, think. Right, right. I don't think. <laughs> That's not usually how that works. Um, and hopefully it doesn't feel quite as tacked on as season one's final two episodes did. Because the season two, the season one finale sort of two episodes were rushed and kind of weird and didn't fit very well. So No. Yeah. Hopefully that's not, not the case <laughs> this time. Yeah, I, I I also wonder if part of it was just they they had something that they liked that was yep. going longer, and they thought, hey, we'll make this two parts. Right? Also very possible, especially because well, you know, the fan reaction to Anson Mount as Captain Pike has been huge. So yeah, for all we know, they went look, maybe we we can extend a you know extend a situation, extend sort of a scenario of one of these episodes and make it a two parter and keep things going because everybody likes him. You know, the fan response has been good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? We'll find out sometime. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah. That show is back five weeks from today, I believe. Yeah. Right? So No, uh, not today. Oh, I'm sorry, but like five weeks from now. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, we won't know. The end of the season should be April. So sometime in, towards the end, we'll start to see what happens and where that 14th episode fits. Yep. Yeah. Big season for Discovery. Big season. Yeah, a lot rides on it. Yep, indeed. So, an idiom that I love in sports is if a team doesn't do as well as it would like to, it, it says, well, it was a building year, right? So <laughs> hopefully we'll look back and season one will be the building year and this one will be the, the, win, yes, the winning absolutely. year. Absolutely. Yeah, let's hope. Yep. Uh, did we want to talk about the promo with Spock? 
Yeah, we can talk about that. It's just kind of an interesting little aside. From a few weeks ago, CBS dropped a commercial in the middle of their Sunday night, right? I think it was lineup of stuff. They dropped a promo that showed a little tiny bit more. I mean, I do mean a tiny bit more of our of the new Spock. Mm-hmm. But he spoke for the first time, and then he kind of yeah, he spoke a a single word, yeah, and then he smirks just a tiny bit. And Pike even kind of, you know, busts him a little for it, kind of, you know, gives him a little shit for it and says, is that a smile I see on your face? And of course, Spock being in a very, in a very good, like Spockian way, he just kind of goes, yes, you know. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, you know what I think this is, uh, they're mm -hmm. trying to retcon is that moment in the cage when they're looking at the flowers and he has that huge goofy grin. They are very much so. They're trying um, to say, oh, this was course, just a period where he was doing that. Yeah. Well, and actually you could, the, the on-screen evidence supports it because, because <laughs> he was such an early character that they were sort of still figuring him out. Even in TOS proper in the first season, he smirks a bit. He's pretty yeah, smirky. The first, half, first, first half dozen episodes. I'd yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and, and stuff slips it, up. Even in that first scene where he and Jim are playing um, 3D yep. chess and he yep. says like, "Oh, what's that? Ah, one of your Earth emotions. One of your Earth emotions. Yeah, right. and you can tell he's he's making fun of him. Yeah, exactly. I, I he's that. already yeah. So <clears throat> Spock has has been more emotional. I think I think we can say, it's just there you go. The the evidence is there. Um, yes, although a lot of it has simply to do with the fact that they didn't have a handle on what the character was. Sure, of course, right. of course. So, but na- now essentially they're sort of taking that and working with it, which, you know, okay. I don't think you can really, you can't really fault them for exactly because, hey, it's there on screen. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yep, yeah. It's there. Absolutely. Now, maybe that's not the best choice. Maybe not everyone agrees with it. And of course, really, like, we still don't know anything. We've seen 30 seconds of an exactly. interaction between. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. we really need to see how this goes because, yeah, if, if this is one little aside. And then Spock shaves and gets back to work and, you know, whatever. That's fine. Spock I bet you people shaves. will love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he comes with that beard from being in his little pilgrimage, he, right? Yeah, I call so. him emo Spock. <laughs> <sighs> he, he he only has to shave once every seven years. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, but people kind of freaked out about it until everyone kind of went, you know, he smirks and kind of smiles and is pretty sarcastic, like all throughout the first half of the first season and it's like let's just see let's just see where this goes like i can't imagine they're gonna go crazy with it but yeah we'll let's see. yeah let's 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 let it play out a little bit before we condemn it right. also also part of the reason they put that in the trailer was for exactly the purpose of what we're doing right now is so people on the internet would talk about it and it would generate oh, yeah. buzz Right, yeah. right. And it sure if, did. if they just had him looking dour and he throws the LLAP hand sign up um, and, and raises an eyebrow and says, fascinating, nobody's going to talk about that. Yeah, who cares? That, that's that's not mm. interesting. Right. Uh, Kayla, what's your feeling about having Spock in season two of Discovery? Do you like it or, or do you wish they, they, they were doing something different? Um, I mean, I, don't know, I think I've in previous podcasts made my thoughts pretty clear that I'm not super happy that they included him. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember. Partly because they promised us that they wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was happy with that promise because I, you know, I don't love the idea that Discovery needs to define itself by rehashing stuff that's, you know, from the original series. Um, I think they should define mm-hmm. themselves as their own thing. But, you know, he's mm-hmm. here yes. now. And so it's kind of like Brian says and trying to just be like, you know what? I don't know. I can't really judge what they've done with it because I haven't seen it yet. Sure, so on, sure, that's right. With the it's information right. I have, I'm not like jumping for joy that we get to see Spock and that we get to see the Enterprise, which looks nothing like the Enterprise and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, it's like stressful. <laughs> it's like the word, you <laughs> wow. know? Like it stresses wow. me out that the Enterprise looks different. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Interesting. So it's just for my, my own well being is like, is like disturbed by that. But you know what? Maybe I'll get over it. I'm trying to keep an open mind. Good. Good. We'll see. We'll see, Caleb, because Alex Kurtzman says that we're going to sync up with Canon this season, whatever that means. Yeah, well, they have a lot to sync up. Yeah. <laughs> or sleep like under Klingons, the rug. Or... Like Klingons not yeah. having cloaking devices. Yeah. And Klingons well, having I'm pretty two sure... dicks. 
Oh yeah, well, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm gosh, pretty I've sure about that. they are going to ignore the vast majority of season one in mm. season two and just move forward. Well, you know what, what I mean? Yeah. What about yeah. the spore drive, though? You can't. That's the big They're going to have to deal that. with that. They're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's already been considered illegal because the only way to use it is to genetically alter your host that does it. So, so bury sure it. Could... Move on. Well, some okay, it does seem like, but it does seem like that's where we're going to get Culber back, right? But not by using the spore drive directly. It doesn't. No, matter. but it'll be an influence. Like they can't just com- disappear it completely. Like they're going to have to. Like, no, no, I, I agree. I'm pretty sure they basically pull spore Culber out of Tilly's shoulder, as we saw in, a, in one of the comic like Comic Con trailers, and yeah. they're just like, "Let's move on," you know, <laughs> like, "Oh, look, Spock's here. We got a whole other." adventure wow. you know okay. <laughs> the, the the other thing is every time they introduce a new technology and say the thing that bars them from using it is ethics it does instantly demand the question i think kelly you were saying this mm-hmm. what about less ethical adversaries in the galaxy mm-hmm. oh for sure out that's, there now. that's the serious sure. problem yeah like yeah, that's the and serious one, problem. one thing i liked about insurrection even though it's not my favorite movie is there's those subspace weapons and they say nobody uses them oh no wait but these guys do they're that bad Right? I right. thought that was a way of kind of taking into that that into account. Right. The only thing that sort of covers us on the spore thing is that the only other ship that had spores working is blown up. That was the... It was sort of working. The Glen. Yeah, well, but I mean, that's if you want to have a bad guy take it and that was a prototype, the other prototype is gone. So they don't know how to right. work. They don't have anything to work backwards from or like reverse engineer. I guess. So. But yeah, no, I tend to think they're pretty much just going to ignore it after getting Culver back. <laughs> wow. All right. Whatever. Now, yeah, we'll I agree with Matt, though. I think they're going to... Certain things that are just inconvenient to deal with, they're just going to pretend... I think we can consider this season... I think we can really consider the season almost a soft reboot in some senses. And well, that's what we... Yeah, we discussed wow. it. We thought that might be what was happening. I really think so. The, the more you think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I think so. We'll see. I mean, how many times be... can you get away with that? How many seasons? A lot, can as it turns out. About? A lot, as it turns out. <laughs> if if the season is good, I think we'll just kind of forget about season right. one. Everyone I, think, I do think that if, we, if there's a compelling story that we all enjoy, yeah. I think a lot of a yeah. lot of it will fall away. Yeah. Well, it we'll also move the, forward. Also, even though everything that gets made is technically canon, um, not all canon is created equally. I mean, True. like like on TNG. Whenever we'd so flash, whenever they showed flashbacks of like young Picard or whatever, or the Enterprise C, they were always wearing sort of the red British Navy uniforms from Wrath of Khan on. They never, ever, ever show the uniforms from Motion Picture that look like the 1970s space dentist kind of thing. They never <laughs> right. did that. So right, they just it, pretended it, they just didn't never happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or so like it's canon, but also kind of not. There, there's also like that episode of TNG where they discover that warp drive is destroying. The universe. Yep. Yes. And that, so, so yep. they never really so bring they that up again. Yeah. Yeah. They ob- yep. they obey it throughout season seven, and then, then yeah. by the time the movies happen, nope, never mind. And I, and I don't yeah. think they ever mention it on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I don't think. I don't so. think you ever yeah. hear about it again after that. Yeah. No, no. I think they realize what a stupid idea it was. Yeah, that's if we if we ever do an episode about uh, social commentary episodes that don't work, that episode is going to be on the list. Yeah. 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 Well meaning, but just yeah little ham-handed it doesn't really work yes yes definitely um so before we leave our sort of cbs world i was gonna say that we need to give a shout out to uh a very sort of a very important person in the consumer product set of cbs so if you've ever enjoyed uh you know dvd or blu-ray releases like encyclopedias the the latest version of the star trek encyclopedia that was released in 2016 that was majorly revised anything like that this guy oversaw it, and he's an important, you know, he's an important person to the Star Trek brand. John Van Sitters, if mm-hmm. you, a lot of people know him, a lot of people don't, so because he's sort of an unsung hero behind the scenes in some ways. But he just got a huge promotion from just sort of overseeing consumer products to yep. VP of Star Trek brand development at CBS Studios, global franchise management. So this seems like a huge step up for him. And yes, it does. A, as a Trekkie and as someone who cares about the brand deeply and has been mm-hmm. involved with the brand for, I don't even know how long now, a long time, right? I think about 15 years, yeah, about maybe 15, even longer, yeah, maybe yeah. even longer. I, yeah, I was going to say 15 to 20, somewhere in that order. 
he really cares and um you know if you at most conventions he somehow you know his group is responsible for the a lot of that yeah. stuff um any destination star trek his group helped put yeah. on and stlv you know, yeah stlv if you go to stlv now. you'll see him yep and stlv has been more and more like moved from creative to sort of cbs helping to oversee it and put put in the banners and put in all the you know yeah that kind of yep, thing yeah so all of these things like all these kind of things that consumers see he's he and his group have been involved with so it's a huge credit you know to the to the brand so this is awesome yeah, yeah. john is a big fan and having him involved at a higher level where he may even be able to in- influence upcoming productions is a big deal yeah yeah this exactly. is a very good thing a very good thing for star trek agreed it really yeah yeah it really should be so congrats so congratulations john yeah we're really happy for him and what this could mean sort of long term for the brand yep. for our and, beloved and, franchise yep. and if john or one of his friends are listening to this if you want to come on the shuttle pod we will make space for you <laughs> <laughs> most true. definitely Anytime. true we would love to have john on very true john's kind of low-key i think but yeah it's very true yep excellent well, do we do we have some other news about the Kelvin verse, maybe? Oh yeah. I, so, yes, in the other on the other of the twin corporations, right? That was the CBS side. Moving it over to the Paramount side, <laughs> the news the news is really non news, right? Like we're yeah. there's still just nothing going on about yeah. this fourth Kelvin universe movie. Um, it's really kind of scary almost that there's been nothing no one has said a thing since august when that whole chris crisis that we've talked about of course quite a bit in in a podcast at the time you know we called it the chris crisis just because it's kind of fun but really the two chris's chris pine and chris hemsworth were at an impasse with paramount and uh nothing's changed since then but that's not good because a hell of a lot's gone on in people's careers since then. They've made yeah. other plans. People are moving on. People are filling yeah. in the gaps that should have been, you know, reserved for production. I mean, it's sure. it's not good. It's not. Yeah. I mean, even if they were to start shooting soon, they would not get it out before Christmas of 2020. Right. And that's just, yeah. So. Uh, and at, at that point, that means it'll be four and a half years between that and beyond. Wow. Right. And that's just. Yeah. And that's there just wasn't a lot of long. momentum even behind there wasn't a lot of momentum anyway. Right. No, it was, coming I mean, out of beyond. Any of the momentum that was, yeah. so, was manufactured, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So and, I, I don't. And, and tied into the long. to the anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think there's a pretty good chance. I think we've we've all discussed this. It's a good chance that Paramount will just blow it all up and start over. I think. You're I right. think so. Um, and Christopher McQuarrie, the filmmaker Christopher McQuarrie, who you might know from the Mission Impossible movies, most recently the uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yep. He has expressed interest in a few interviews recently. Yeah, I think this is exciting. His, yeah, he's he's definitely curious about the possibility of getting a hold of Trek himself. So, if Paramount is looking for you know somebody new to take over, that could be a possibility. Yeah, and McCoy's... I tend to think that the I tend to think that the bad robot era is about to come to an end. I, I tend to think so too, or at least as we know it, you know, it's probably yeah. done. Um, yeah, McQuarrie is also a Star Trek fan. Like he was part of the group that went and made a pitch along with Brian Singer to Paramount, right? right you know, kind of right as the uh, corporate split was happening. So then their pitch just sort of you know died because it was right in the middle of the you know Viacom CBS split and whatever else. But so he's been interested in Trek since you know 2005 2006 so a long time so that may be a possibility if paramount chooses to start over start over yeah um the other thing that people i saw people sort of have questions about is the quentin tarantino script and i think we we should really kind of reiterate because i'd actually sort of you know stop thinking about it but whatever is that the tarantino script is not tied to the kelvin universe or actors at all in fact or or anything first it's or anything free agent that's right. And so, when, in fact, when it was first reported, uh, a couple of different trades both said that when it was talked about, it was talked about as possibly starting 
a whole new you know franchise a whole new sort of universe whatever you want to call it so the quentin tarantino thing is still on the table to be re, you know to lead off a reboot uh, basically again so who knows you know yeah i th- i assume within the next month or two we're going to hear something definitive one way or the other yeah it's just been sitting there languishing so long they've got to yeah. be it's got to be they have to say something soon i mean i guess at this point you can almost call this stuck in development hell right mm. it's just yeah. like it's bad <laughs> yeah however there's another franchise which seems to be getting new life breathed into it if i can use that as a segue do bro. that's great Perfect. okay so so there was there's been news about this new twilight zone series which is also going to be on CBS All Access. We're not going to take much time to talk about this, but uh, I've always felt that Twilight Zone and Star Trek were kind of sister series, where they were both uh, in, the, in the 60s. They share a lot of the same talent, both in front of and behind the camera, um, and n- not just in the 60s, but also in the subsequent series, like the the one on UPN, where they, they ran it right after Enterprise to try to cross-promote. And then even if you watch some of the Twilight Zone episodes from the 80s, you'll see a lot of people from the the Berman era. Like, there's an episode where John Delancey plays, like, uh, I I don't know if he's an angel or a devil, but he's trying to get somebody out of hell. And then there's an episode where Garrick plays JFK, which is kind of interesting. So there's a lot of touch points between the two franchises. And so I'm very excited to see this new instance of Twilight Zone, which is going to come out in 2019 as well and the, the two pieces of news that we wanted to share that we thought were pretty cool is they're doing a remake of nightmare of nightmare at 20,000 feet but it, it's up at 30,000 feet now that that's the title nightmare at 30,000 feet uh which of course had william shatner in it uh, only the the our belabored protagonist in this episode will be played by adam scott from most famous from uh parks and rec Mm-hmm. And so I think that will be delightful. Also, of course, to mention that John Lithgow did uh, recreated that episode yes. mm-hmm. in the movie, mm-hmm. which then set up probably the best joke in all of Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock. Oh, yes, Third yeah. Rock. Where, yep. mm-hmm. where um, when the big giant head played by William Shatner shows up at an airport for the for uh, 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 John Lithgow to pick up, he, he says to him, there, I was on the plane and there was this terrible monster out on the on the wing. And then John Lithgow says, the same thing happened to me. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and it Love should that. be noted that Adam Scott has a slight Trek connection too, because of course, oh, of he's course, kind of he a was the pilot of the Defiant. That's right. He was he's a kind of a geeky fan anyway, in general. Yeah. And then he got himself a very young Adam Scott, got himself cast as the kind of anxious pilot of the Defiant yeah. in First Contact. He's the guy who goes, "Oh, it's the Enterprise," and it swoops. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Them. That's right. That's right. So there's a little connection there. That's true. I forgot that. Thanks for pointing that out. Yep. Um. I uh, I always wanted I, I had an idea to write a spec script for Parks and Rec where Leslie tries to get um, Pawnee, Indiana designated as the future birthplace of Catherine Janeway, <laughs> the same way oh, that yeah, Riverside yeah. is the future birthplace of William Shatner. But uh, yeah. then I googled and and read that the showrunner didn't accept spec script, so that idea died. As did so many of my. Don't many of my dreams but that that would totally be a leslie nope thing That'd wouldn't be that be great yeah and then I'd they could make a little awesome. joke about star trek with him because the connection there right yep yep anyway so the last thing about the twilight zone that we wanted to mention is uh, another episode that, that they've said is gonna be uh drop is is stars john cho who of course played mm-hmm. sulu in the kelvin verse so that mm-hmm. will be fun to see him uh, to see another familiar face on uh, again a, a show that's so connected to the trek franchise Yep, and they're filming that right now up yep. in Vancouver, BC. So they started in October. So hopefully that you know is the next thing that shows up. Hopefully you know season two Discovery sort of finishes, and then all access gets uh, the Twilight Zone on. That's that's yeah, the that hope, should anyway. be cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I I am always torn. This will be the last thing I'll say about this, unless anyone else has any other comments. Uh, I'm always kind of torn to watch any Twilight Zone when it's in color rather than black and white because I always feel that is like weird. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yes, the black and white stuff un- is unsettling, right? There's a, there's an uncanny valley to it where you look at it and say, that's not what real life should look like. Well, and also, at the time, everyone was really good at lighting and shooting black and white for mood. And, you know, the late 60s were like, the 50s and the 60s were the epitome of like, just at the top of their game for black sure. and white yeah. you know, yep. TV. So. Because they had to be. They, they didn't have yeah, computers. They had to be, right. 
Well, so that's all the news items, but I guess the biggest news item of all we have is a review of our most recent short trek. Mm-hmm. If we're yeah. ready to talk about that. Let's let's do that. Let's talk okay. about Saru. Yeah. And, and his the brightest star. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Which yep. third uh, this, short trek. This is not uh, a story about Saru joining the Green Lantern Corps. Because that kind of sounds <laughs> oh, like no. oh, the brightest. <laughs> Although he totally could, you know what? Though. You know what? He would be he, awesome. He would be as perfect, a wouldn't he? Yes, he totally he he really looks would. like Abin totally. Sor. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Totally. Well, oh, dude, I love that idea. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You Jared, know they've Jared, done it before. They've done right crossovers now, with Star Trek and Green Lantern. I they smell. Have. A, yeah, that's right. I smell. They have. IDW did it. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yes, they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like two years ago, our, our buddy Aaron Harvey did a cover mm-hmm. for it. Actually. That's right. That's right. Well, this is not that, unfortunately. Sorry, folks. It's actually a short <laughs> trip. <laughs> <but. laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Matt, why don't you bring us back to back down to Kelpia or whatever the name of this planet is? Kaminar, because it's named after Kaminar. not them, because they're not the dominant species. Of so course. There you go. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, Smart. this was a. This was a flashback, a little slice of uh, Saru's life as a as a teenager, as a you know, look, longing to move forward with his family, looking sort of downward, right, sort of stuck where they are. Um, it was kind, of, it was very interesting. I thought, uh, very much tied to season two, which is really funny because they want these things to be standalone, but there's mm-hmm. so much unanswered that we know. Yeah. There's a follow-up in the you know in the present day. There's a follow-up that will happen in Discovery season two, which is supposed to help flesh this out quite a bit. So it's kind of frustrating in that sense, right? I think that it's only 15 minutes long, and they had a lot of questions for us that don't have answers. But still, very cool. I liked it a lot. Um, I think that's I part of their strategy, though, because that's how I felt about Calypso. Right? They want to to leave you wanting more. Sure. Sure, but Calypso at least stands alone completely. Like it has. Yeah, nothing. it closes That's off true. completely. Yeah. yeah. Although technically, this does too. Oh yeah, no. I mean, you could take this for what it is at a face value, which is like this little slice of time in Saru's life. Mm-hmm. Right. No more, no less. You know, and that's fine. You can. It just begs us to ask more. I think. Right now, we want to know more, even more. So, what did you guys think of it? I enjoyed most of it. Um there were little parts of it that you know I, that I didn't like as much but I think that's partly just because it's suffering from the short format um, and it's hard yeah. to establish all the necessary details to you know tell a believable narrative when you need certain things to happen for the plot to work like we have to have sure. Saru figure out how to um, manipulate this alien and much more highly advanced technology in order to use it as some kind of a beacon to send a message to someone and receive a message and understand what the message said and so that was like a little bit unbelievable like he's never seen any technology beyond the sort of bone knives and bearskins style tech that we see Mm. um, the Kelpians have and yet he's able to take this thing that fell off an alien ship and like use it you know, I, I wouldn't know how to do that if, yeah, you know, with a technology of equal advancement to my own, if it were alien. So sure, sure. you just have to sort of accept those things, I guess. But it was that part, like a few little details like that, were a little jarring for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, you, you like, always you always kind of need to fudge that because, I mean, even like okay, like in Wrath of Khan, like okay, these guys are smart. How do they know how to pilot a ship that they've never been trained to pilot? Sure, right? but sure. this is going exactly. from a like. Like caveman level, practically. Yeah, or like it's, not it's, quite caveman, but well, like a, e- even um, more so. Like a you know early pre-industrial. Let's say pre-industrial. Yeah, sure. There yeah. you go. A pre-industrial yes, civilization definitely. to super advanced spaceship warp drive alien tech. Yeah. So that's a bit more of a jump for me. Uh, right, see, and it raises questions like: Were they actually? Are they being kept that way? Did they at one point have access to tech and now they sure. don't? Right, you know things that maybe explain that a little better and and also did anyone else notice that he was doing this like like his house is apparently like one room and he's that's it it's what it looked like to me and like you could see his sister like in the bed in the background and he's yeah they're like two domed huts yeah yeah and he's like messing with Mm -hmm. this thing that he's like it's basically illegal for him to have this and he's Mm -hmm. just like playing with this thing and it's like making noise and lighting up and i'm like dude your family's totally gonna catch you what are you? What are you doing? 
It's only his dad that matters, I think. His sister is his seems dad to be like in taller. another room? Yeah, I think so. I, because we never saw him in the same room. But wouldn't like, the sister be? I don't know. The whole time I was like, the sister's going to be like, dude, what are you doing? I think the sister is sort of more accepting of it, though. I guess. She seems to you sort to of know that. that he's about to take a walk and maybe yeah, she, come back. Yeah, she definitely. Yeah. She seems yeah. to have an instinct about that. Yeah, I guess so. so. But I, you know, I think that overall it was fun. Um, it was beautifully shot. I loved the opening yeah. shots. It looks yeah, great. Right. Yeah, it really benefits yeah, from done. from being made at the same time as the episode, like the for the main season. You know, mm. they got to use all that budget that actually is dedicated to the main season. Oh, of course, yeah. Yep. So they had those sets yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's why it looks so expensive because they just utilized everything they already they were already had built. smart. Yeah, right. they, uh, yeah. Yep. They're yeah. synergizing yeah. backward overt flow. Sorry, I, 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 I rewatched some 30 Rock the other day, so I to <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that was good. Thank Jared. you. That was really Thank good. You. Uh, yeah, it was beautifully shot. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It was nicely directed. Mm-hmm. And the sound design, particularly. Oh, so, that, so nice. Yeah, there's some really nice stuff like in there. You're, it's like a nature documentary, basically. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Oh, like, wow. It's yeah. really yeah, like good. Pl- like, it sounded really good. And now that, like, all access is actually transmitting stuff in 5.1. You can actually hear. Depending on your device. But yeah. Depending on your device. I was watching it through Amazon so I could hear Me it. Me too. Me too. And you get this, you get a phenomenal 5.1 mix. It is. It's really it's good. That's the kind of Really nicely done. That yeah. I was hoping was there the whole time when all, when all access was stuck in stereo land, you know, last year. So, yep. yeah. Yep. yeah. This is a nice yeah. upgrade. You can actually tell what people are saying now. <laughs> well this whole this whole season like is better in general i would say mm-hmm. that way uh, yeah also I, I like jeff russo's music in this yeah movie. i was gonna yes. say the music was awesome even just like the music that yeah. they put over the end credits was great oh it, i need to go back and read because they've been doing a unique score for each of the short tracks yes which yes, is awesome a little something yeah, yeah. it gives some them their own little detail. flavor yeah. yeah totally yeah yeah and i like i haven't I wasn't particularly enamored of his score for season one because I no, felt like he neither. was playing it very conservatively and it harkened back to the sonic wallpaper of the Berman era and I was yeah. not happy mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. This one though had a certain boldness to it at times. Yes, that I really enjoyed. Yes. Well, also really if you uh, if you have th- that little time to tell a story, the fastest way to communicate emotion is through music. So mm-hmm. yep. it's nice yep. that they have the and they free and he definitely underlines he definitely underlines certain sequences with the music, especially when Saru's first figuring out the device. Like the music is, begins to like really pick up and swell in those spots. Right. It really does. Um, so I think before we leave, sort of generally discussing this and get on to maybe the prime directive stuff. Was anyone else sort of surprised that we didn't actually get to really see the predator species? Because I was really yeah. hoping we would. I wasn't. I, I figured yeah. they're. I figured they're saving that. They they are. Well, for sure. It, but it is odd though that like they seem to be living in this very docile environment that is almost a byproduct of these aliens that they're yeah. dealing with that are right that the are sacri- they're sacrificing themselves to. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like. As long well, as they do that, everything's really chill on the planet. Like you right. don't get the sense that they're being hunted at all, right. except maybe by this bowel. This what are they called? The bowel. Yeah, bowel. Or as yeah. someone bowel. in our comments was calling it the bowel, just cracking bowel. me up. Yeah. Like this bowel. Well, that's what it's yeah. when he first said it. That's what it sounds like, and I'm like, no, that's not. That can't be it. I actually turned on the closed captions for a second just to see what he said, and I was like, oh, it's bowel. Okay, like, I get it. <laughs> You're gonna have a bowel movement. <laughs> Do you think that the the lettering on the device when he first turns it on looked Klingon? Um, it was something. I don't know what it was. I'd have to yeah, go back and look. It was sort of random. Yeah, we it could. We'd have to kind of Klingon. Maybe that yeah, would be thought. a weird twist. Um, yeah. So the one thing that I know that kind of freaked people out is that you know they were expecting this crazy like predator prey sort of like gazelle lion kind of being hunted <laughs> actively thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, like they that episode that, where we see how fast he can run. Right, like, and it, and it does raise a lot of questions, which is like, okay, so if they're basically just being chill, rounded up, and just kind of hanging out, like, 
how did what was the biological like imperative for them to develop like threat ganglia and like this well, and running right? I mean of like, course well, that could have, that could have been something that evolved like 100,000 years well, earlier and, right. and that's what I think too I think this is the current like situation that they have you know they've come to this new they've like situation. been domesticated yeah sure right yeah um, and I know that people get freaked people out but honestly this actually although it's a little maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of revising this does fairly well fit with what Saru says even in the pilot to Burnham because he says my people were hunted bred farmed we are your livestock of old they're pretty much livestock yep. being kept pretty fat and happy oh, so very they, much so. Yeah. Uh, but free oh, range so. and maybe they're yeah, hunted they're... and then put into these communities you know or, that, or maybe or, or that or, or I kind of think it's like a little Hunger Games scenario those, yeah. those seven guys called up get to go run you know the yeah. gauntlet against the predators or and they say whichever one of you sure. can outrun us you get your freedom something like that and it's who like knows the, we'll wait, find out in season what's two that, what's that race mm-hmm. the herogen i was, was gonna say it's like on? a herogen vibe the herogen. yeah, yeah. i kind of expected to see a herogen sort of like predator which i'm actually glad they didn't because yeah you don't yeah. need the herogen were sort of a predator light you know kind of a predator kind of thing and like mm. like the predator kind of you sure. know and i was like yeah hey, we don't so but it is, you know, I was sort of hoping to see that, but I totally get why they didn't. A, it's 15 minutes. B, this is really a slice of Saru's life from, like, his point of view. Right. Like, he doesn't need, you don't mm. need to introduce the Predators because he knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Or, well, at least he knows who they are by legend. He hasn't seen them because he hasn't been called up to this. And so, yeah, of course we wouldn't see them. Yeah, I agree Because from 100%. their point of view, yeah, from their point of view, mm-hmm. you, why would you? You wouldn't. Well, right. the um, the other th- the other thing is it may be revealed that it's not actually a different species; it's just a different ethnicity within that species that won. Right. And this is like how they're right. Could be right. right. It's, and it's, I, there's a, I think there's that's a number the more of really interesting. That's the more likely inevitability, the uh, event um, possibility. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting possibilities um, that we'll hopefully find out more in season two. But I think now is a good time to talk about maybe the prime directive part of it because mm-hmm. wait, before, we move little... on, before we move on oh, the, the one thing ahead, I didn't want to say ahead. is I felt mm-hmm. like and maybe I was just imagining it but I felt like they did his makeup slightly different to make him look younger was I the only one who I got that impression? you know um, I don't think hmm. it was but D- Doug Jones has said that he specifically tried to act differently and act younger okay. and less experienced yeah, because he he felt like a, a much younger surreal, and and yeah. I, that was I think that was I think that is all credit to Doug Jones and acting through yeah. the latex that he can do. Honestly. Acting, it's amazing. Seriously, yeah, he's he's amazing. That so he can do that through this makeup is just awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, um, oh, and I guess I guess before we totally get to the prime directive, let's just say how awesome it is to see Prime. Giorgio make an appearance. I was so yeah, that was good. happy Yay. with that. Yeah, that was cool. Non mirror Giorgio. So happy with mm-hmm. that. That hey, it's like a younger lieutenant, lieutenant, not captain, but you know, lieutenant Giorgio is the one who's done the kind of reach out, you know, and communicate with him thing, which is really cool. That that, uh, that also then that. that goes back to the idea of why he was so ticked off at Burnham that he didn't yes. get to be her first officer. Yes, like, it totally she's, builds. She's on not that. just his leader, but like his mentor and his his savior in some way. Yes, right? yeah. exactly. Yeah, it totally shows why he's wicked pissed about that, and you know, and and then again, like why he has this interesting relationship both with Giorgio and Burnham when they're together on the Shenzhou. That there's this competition for her as like their leader and like mother figure, and all kinds of you know, it just it's great. It does just help flesh that out so much more. Definitely, but yeah. So back to our prime directive questions. One the the go back to Baul. One of the questions is is <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm never gonna not laugh. I'm gonna that just now, I'm just gonna like chuckle now. I know. I have to <laughs> be professional for God's sake. Um, the <laughs> but the, I think one of the other one of the questions that we sort of need to know to judge it in a prime directive context is are the Baul's native or are they actually like a, a dominating alien species right oh like that an changes that yeah because that kind of changes whether it's okay or not you know like oh like a private little war perspective type of thing like a private little war perspective mm. right and so that's what we were trying to get at is especially in the 23rd century back in the tos era which this is um we saw them kind of do a faster and loose interpretation of the prime directive. We saw Kirk do that a number of times. And so 
it seems like you know this kind of falls may fall into that which is like it's totally okay because saru reached out first and he's asking to be taken away and something's going on here yeah i agree it's a little bit more of like the wild west thing because this is set you know near in time to tos when we we Mm -hmm. saw other things like that kind of happen so i i'm i'm kind of fine with it in terms of the canonicity of it yeah, and, and they make it, you know, Georgia makes it super clear that, like, if you do this, your entire world is going to change. And no, you can't come back and, like, you know, affect change yeah. on your home And, and she anymore. makes it clear right. that she's under very strict rules from above. She's like, they hardly even let me talk to you at all yeah, in the first she, place. Yeah, she had huge debates, you know, with Starfleet to let her do this. So so they're thinking about it. They, they didn't just ignore it. Right. Definitely not. It'd be hard to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say this made this episode made me think a lot of um the pen pals. season two. Yep, season two next yeah. gen ep- episode pen pals. Sarjanka. Where again Yep, with Sarjanka where data starts and ends up communicating with again, you know, this kind of like distant communication with an alien from a pre warp civilization. And they have huge talks about whether it's ethical to intervene at all and that's one of the weirdest scenes help. in all of TNG, that discussion. It's so weird. It is kind of weird. Because, like, yeah. Riker uses... I'm, I'm sorry. Like, like, Riker uses the expression, if there is a grand plan, who are oh, we to right. interfere? Yes. And it's like, yes. wait, h- hold on a second. Who? who if what? there yeah. is a grand plan, that implies that there is a grand planner, right? Correct. Yeah. And, Correct. And, it, and so... It's, like, it's it, like them trying not to say the G word, but basically... Yeah. 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 So that, that's it's, just it's weird. It's a strange conversation. It's a strange uh-huh. conversation for sure. And and of course, There's a few strange moments in that episode. And of course, like somehow, what tips everyone is when they ask for help directly, right? That's the difference. Is when you suddenly ask for help directly, then maybe you can fudge the rules, you know? And I mean, we've sort of seen that happen before, and that's essentially what happens with Saru. Saru basically directly reaches out. He's the one who figures out how to mess with this tech. Yeah. And reach out to the stars, so he's, you know, he's the he's the one who's the active participant in it, so it's okay, I guess. Well, and it's, you know? well it's it's a distress signal, right? Yeah, yeah. it's this sort of classical moral dilemma of is is inaction in itself an action? Mm. Right, right. And like, I think yes. If you know yes. about something, and you choose not to do anything. That's a, a choice you're actively making. So either mm-hmm. way, you're sort of interfering. You know what I mean? You have a responsibility. You know, there are consequences to either side of your actions. Once you know about something, you can't just ignore it and pretend like you don't know about it. Right. You can't unknow it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was really great. And, of course, that's incredibly Star Trek to have this whole, you know, to spawn this discussion. Because, of course, she doesn't go into it directly because, hey, it's only 15 minutes. And it doesn't doesn't really concern, concern Saru that second because... Uh, he's trying to get the hell off the planet, so we don't need to get into a discussion right then. But it's great because it makes us have this awesome discussion, right? Yeah. About it. So, all in all, a good fifteen minutes of Star Trek. Yeah, I yeah. need to rewatch it. I've only watched one. Enjoy. but I enjoyed it. I, I think it needs a second watch too, because I watched it the first time and definitely need to rewatch it a second time just to kind of catch it all and yeah, me too. Just kind of chill out and watch it, you know, instead of going, "Hey, what? What's that? Who's that? You know, like what's going yeah. on there?" Like I just had to watch it. it I watched it for the second time this morning. It's definitely better on a second. Oh, oh good. Yeah. Also, I have to say, if you watch it less critically, it's good. Like just in general, because I did the second watch with my lovely wife, who is much more of a casual fan. And, and I even prefaced it. I said, you may have a lot of questions from this that won't be answered till season two. Sorry. And then she just said, I have no questions. It's a slice of like, it's just looking at Saru's life. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really interesting, but I have no real like. I don't have any burning questions because it's just is what it is, right? Yeah. I just take it for face value. And that's that's legit. You know what I mean? We're over mm-hmm. here overanalyzing. Really, <laughs> as usual. You know, re- as usual. And really, it is just a slice of Saru's life at this pivotal moment, you know, for him. And there you go. Like, that's a pivotal moment in his life, and we get to witness it, basically. Yeah. I, I think what throws what was throwing people off is obviously we were expecting to learn more about Yes. The predator situation and the threat ganglia because it was such a, a thing yeah especially the, the threat ganglia they made such a big first deal. season yeah i think we all assumed and that's our fault for assuming that they would like 
emphasize that yeah i mean i Mm. i sort of half expected them to be like running through the bushes from something you know like actively hunting them right it's like no 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 it was fine it was totally fine yeah that's also a good way to like subvert expectations if you think oh we're gonna we're gonna have a an action adventure thing and it's like no it's just this fun it's this interesting little character piece yeah Hmm. for sure and so and so now we have all kinds of questions Our, our appetite has definitely been whetted for season two and the Saru episode, where we're supposed to get, they they say like, but the writers have said, don't worry, like you're gonna get a lot of this clarified, like don't worry, it's gonna, you know, a lot of your questions will be answered in season two. So, you know, I've got to say, guys, I'm liking short treks. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. I think it, they're it, off. I think they're two finally, out of the three. Yeah, yeah, I think they're yes. starting to get somewhere. Yes. I think they're really the last starting two to have get been somewhere. Good. And it also is cool that they're going to do more. I mean, I'm not surprised. They, they've implied as much back at New York Comic Con that they would do more short treks in between productions. And so when the CBS, you know, chief creative officer said, oh, yeah, well, there'll be more shorts between Discovery Season 2 and the Picard show. I, that was good news and not really surprising, but good news. And so I'm interested to see what, what those shorts are, because ostensibly they could be shorts. That yes, you, the shorts are made with the current production, right? Like the whole point is they, mm-hmm. they piggyback they're, they're off the current into production. It. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. Discovery season two will be long done filming by then. So yep. I want like, huh, don't, you know, this is not, this is not confirmed in any way, shape or form, but it's just me thinking like, well, what will be in production then? Mm-hmm. The card series, could they be making little shorts that are asides, you know, little asides in the 24th century for us? Who knows? Although they'll, they'll still have the discovery standing stats, right? That they could still use. They, yeah, they could. They could. But, but they would have to crank up the production sure, and, get and get everyone the back, yeah. from their, back from their breaks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they would have to be in production in order to okay. do that. Right. Yeah, it makes no, it doesn't make any budgetary sense to make these what are supposed to be cheap <laughs> little extras right. if they have to crank up the machine again, you know? But right. So anyway, it, it would just be a good idea me. to do this anyway. Yes. So it intrigues me. It'll whet people's appetite. Definitely. So it intrigues me if that's maybe where they're going to go with it. We'll see. We shall see. I I also like that this gives them a chance to sort of get their sea legs, to use a naval term, because something where I really struggled with with Discovery is they were so ambitious. They they were like trying to swim before they could crawl, right? They they were trying to do so much, and it's like, no, just take some baby steps here first. Yeah. And so these are some great baby steps. I agree. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And speaking of looking on to the future, we got a little peek at the next short trek featuring yep. yeah. fan favorite Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd. Mm-hmm. So that looks interesting. So, I'm excited. I've been excited for that one. I think that's been a um, uh, highly anticipated Yes, I think we are looking forward to really all of these last three have been very exciting. Like the last three total have been very exciting. Mm-hmm. So um, when when Rain Wilson came to the Salt Lake City Comic Con, when I saw him, uh, it was right before he went to go film this, and he he like had his beard for his Harry Mud beard, right? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. And so it was kind of annoying because like we got our pictures with him, and we wanted him to look like Dwight, but he he doesn't look like Dwight. <laughs> You got Harry Mud. Yeah, in fact, I was gonna put that picture of us on my Christmas card, but I looked at it and said, "People are not gonna know who he is." Oh, I would know. We oh, know. We know. Everything, yeah. yeah. Okay, but yeah. instead, I put on my Christmas card my picture of me visiting the Vasquez Rocks. So that was my. Nice. Oh, that's. Cool. Oh, I can't wait to yeah. see the. the that's the awesome. Card. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, they're in the mail. I sent them off to you guys today. Awesome. Cool. Uh, oh, speaking of one thing, I guess I don't know how much more there's to say. This one thing I wanted to say about Rain Wilson. I'm reading his autobiography. And he talks about going to this actor training program in New York, and his movement teacher was none other than Gates McFadden. Oh no way! Ah. Yeah, That's yeah. So, so cool. I read that, and and this is before he he was in the franchise officially. But I look at that and say they got to get the two of them on stage next year at STLV, right? Wouldn't that be fun for them to talk about uh, that experience? I mean, she probably awesome. would. Re- he would remember her much better than she would remember him. But she could talk to her about her experience of doing that. Because, I mean, she got her start as a dancer and a choreographer. And mm-hmm. then they just yep. you know, transitioned her into some acting as well. Yeah, that'd be lovely. That'd be really cool to see. Because that'd be yeah. a little piece of something new that, you know, we don't get a lot yes. of new stuff at conventions. So No. It's always, no. new it's content true. is always welcomed. 
Yeah, and this could be you know new and yeah. old, so it would would uh, it would cross generations. It would be mm. intergenerational. Yep. Also, hashtag Team Bev. There we go. All yes. of all of those things. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think we've we've hit our the hour mark. Is there anything else anybody has to say? No, I think we've just covered it all. Okay. Well, this is a lot of material. We hope that every, we thanks everyone who's who's listened till the end. Hope you enjoyed it. Re-listen to it. Share it with friends. Come back to it years later, uh, <laughs> different times in your life to help you cope with uh, how to move forward and how to make the decisions that affect you and your family members going forward. This truly has been a classic vintage episode of the Shuttle Pod. Mm, like and subscribe. Yes, if you liked it, please yep. rate us. Please subscribe. All that good stuff. Put mention us in your Christmas cards. There we go. <laughs> if you want. Yes. Yeah. The highlight of my year was listening to the shuttle pod. <laughs> no, please don't do that. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Well, I think that's it for now. Until next yep. time. Yep. Take care. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.